Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. On 1116 SEN, this is the Flag Flyers for the American-Australian Association devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. Hello everyone and welcome to the Flag Flyers, the place where we profile and chat about all the Aussies flying the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler alongside me looking very, very nice in his uh, little suit get up there. Lucky Miller, what's going on buddy? <laughs> Thanks Chris, uh, way to objectify me just because I decided to, to wear some respectable You've been clothes. doing that recently a lot and uh, I don't know how I feel about it, especially with those blue pants. <laughs> it's a suit mate. I'm sorry coming from you that's wearing like a t-shirt and like jeans. Some of us have our class actually. It's shorts, by the way. It's 30 degrees outside. I'm not going to be wearing jeans. Mate, style doesn't have a temperature um, limit, mate. When, when you've got to look this good, you've got to wear, you know, whatever it takes. So, uh, no, excited about today. We've got, um, we're doing something a bit different. Well, not not different. It's just that uh, we're, we're branching out and we're, we're talking to someone from not a college football, college basketball background. We're actually going into one of the other sports. Um, other sports I, I, I use, we should, uh, they're, they're just one the, of the The, the lesser known sports, yeah. Well, I Not mean, even lesser known, but uh, the lesser spoken about college sports. Especially from our perspective. Yeah. The reason why it's good today is because uh, we're touching on the women's soccer, um, Alexandra Huynh from uh, Colorado. And uh, the reason why, you know, I think this is potentially a, a really interesting chat coming up is that uh, obviously the US in, in about four months ago won the World Cup, FIFA World Cup for women. Uh, and uh, that that's a on the back of arguably the NCAA system being their massive development pathway. And uh, and so I think that it's a really uh, cool thing which is going on at the moment, which just like um, uh, how you know many, like the NBA filters most of the top talent in the world, the NCAA women's soccer filters the best uh, women's soccer players as judged by the women, uh, US women winning the World Cup. So I think the more Aussies that we get over there, the better it will be for our materials. Just before we move on as well, did you see Andrew Bogut? Throughout the week, did you see the story on him and how good he's looking at the moment? He has managed to cut out sugar in his diet. I think he watched a documentary or read something about uh, what sugar can do to you, and he decided, you know what, I'm probably going to try to to cut down on this stuff. He you would looks, not believe. He looks ridiculous. You have you have no idea how often my mum tells me <laughs> and sends me links about these sugar documentaries <laughs> and, and articles in the paper. It's ridiculous. I'm like. You know, I, I personally have a, a really bad sugar addiction, and I reckon if I cut out sugar, I'd probably look, you know, as... Don't as, say like Bogut. I was going to say as slim and svelte as you, Chris. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I'm afraid to watch them, because as soon as I watched... I remember back in, like, when I was in year nine, uh, uh, Super Size Me, the Macca's documentary That just made out. me hungry. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> I'd never t- I, I couldn't touch Macca's for, like, three years after that. I think I went to get Macca's as soon as I finished <laughs> Did it. Did you really? Probably. But that's my that's my fear is that I'll watch this sugar documentary and then I'll never touch Why it Why is again. it a fear, though? That's good. That's healthy. Because sugar is amazing. It's in. It's like the most magical food group there is, <laughs> apart from, like, bacon, pork, exactly. and I was just about <laughs> yeah. to say that. I was the Simpsons, just about to say but that. But I won't. So, um, so yeah, no, Bogut looks... Um, it, it, it looks... Uh, it looks Totally different. He's primed for a big year, I think. Yeah, well, he's going to be a little bit more agile because uh, obviously with this new, I suppose, little craze of, I think they call it small ball at the moment with uh, the ability to, to run the ball up and down the court and be a little bit more agile. Uh, and Bogut got shown, not shown up, but uh, 
um, Draymond Green kind of yeah, took it, his position a little bit. Yeah, he got he got his um, position a little bit, um, uh, you know, taken aback. And so I think that in this off season he's lost twenty two pounds in about four um, in three months. And uh, that will help him get up and down the court, be a little bit more agile. He's got great skills, and, and Steph Curry mentioned it the other day. He's got a really high skill set for someone that big. So I we've think... always gone on about how good of a passer he is. Yeah, one of the best passing big men in the league. Oh yeah, without doubt. And so I think that um, it's interesting that even though they won a championship, he's come back and he's gone. I need to adapt to get better because I, you know, to win another. What champions do. Yeah. So I think it's um, it'll be really interesting to see how this um, small physiological change will impact his season. And it's very, very close until the start of the NBA season as well. Preseason's already underway, so it's going to be a very, very exciting time of the year. But we've got a big show, so let's get into it. Joining us first up on Rounding the Bases this afternoon is Richie Garraway from the SEN NFL Podcast. Mate, welcome to the show. Okay, guys. Thank you. Now, once again, we'll start off with Jared Hayne. How did he go this week? It wasn't a stellar performance. Um, We've been hearing that the last couple of weeks now. It's uh, getting a bit concerning. Yeah, well, he's really... He's only the punt returner, as we've started talking about now. So he, he doesn't get reps at running back at all. It's two weeks in a row where he hasn't even taken a snap. And that, um, that's kind of um, interesting as well, because at one stage it looked like he was going to be the second or third string running back because of all the injuries that they had there. But now all of a sudden he's not getting any snaps there. No, and, and I thought they would turn to Davis to do that role. Um, but he didn't get much either. Richie Bush did play on the weekend. Um, which would have pushed Hayne further down that running back depth chart. Um, so really, he doesn't get snaps at running back anymore. He has become a complete punt return specialist. They don't use him on kick returns. Uh, it's punts only. So he had three. Um, he had to call for a fair catch on two of them, and one he had a six-yard return on. Now, one of the ones he called for a fair catch, he had a teammate uh, literally run right into him because he was about to catch it. Uh, and he fumbled because he got hit uh, while trying to catch it. Um, thankfully, the 49ers recovered it, but that fumble does go against Hayne. But that wasn't his fault, though, was it? Well, it's not his fault, but if you're just the kind of you know people who just look at his stat line, yeah, he's looking around um, 50-odd yards in punt returns with two fumbles. Yeah, I think it's a little bit misleading. I mean, anyone that actually actively follows Hayne will know that it wasn't his fault and that stats on a numbers on a stat sheet are, you know, mean nothing unless they are put in context. But my my question for you is, what what's the what's what's your opinion on why it's not being used on kick returns as opposed to just punt returns? Uh, I I actually got asked this question the other day by somebody as well. I'm struggling to come up with a really good answer to be honest. The the best thing I can come up with is they are two different skills. For the kick returns, if you're going to take it to the house, it has to be a 100-yard return. With kickers this day and age, they're putting it into the end zone 90% of the time. So you've got to have an absolute burner who can really see the field, see it open up, but someone who can read blocks really well. I think because Hayne is not a burner, like he's quick, but... When you see him on the field, he's not just outrunning people. You know, he's not a Devin Hester or a um, uh, or a Hall or someone like that from years previous. He's not that burner type of guy. Whereas punt, you can be a bit more. It's a bit more in traffic, and you need to be a little bit more shifty. And the skill of catching a ball that's hung up over your head is different to 
catching a ball that's been driven down the field at you. Um, and I think they feel more comfortable with Hayne hanging under that high ball. But with Ellington, who's a bit quicker and been doing a lot more of the kick returns, they feel more comfortable that he can take that and do that long return that a, a kick return requires. What about Geordie Berry? How did he go this week? If you just, once again, it's one of the ones, if you just looked at his stat line, you think he went okay. Bets had a couple of bad kicks. And when I say bad, I mean NFL bad. They weren't horrible or shanks or anything, but they just weren't um, too good, especially his first one. Now, it was out of his own end zone, but it wasn't a great kick. And his long, uh, he didn't get one up to 50 yards this week with some opportunity to do that. So it wasn't a great week for him. Um, but it wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. No cause for concern, which is uh, good for uh, for Geordie. And no, what about? I, I think it's fine. What about Brad Wing? Brad Wing had another great week. He's actually punting really well. He's the best performing Australian right now, um, in my opinion. Um, now he was called on a lot because the Giants weren't brilliant on offense on the weekend, even though they did get the win. Um, but Wing was just. Absolutely booming him. Um, he had eight punts, put half of them inside 20. Um, he looked really good. And then I read an article during the week um, from the New York Times that talked about how moving Steve Weatherford on, the old punter, um, has cost them zero in production and saved them about $3.5 million on the salary cap. Well, that's all we have time for today, Richie. Um, thanks for joining us, mate. And we'll uh, hear you on the SEN NFL podcast on Wednesday, which can be found at SEN.com.au. Make sure you check us out on all the Facebook uh, and Twitters as well, mate. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks, guys. Continuing on with Rounding the Bases is Xavier Player from the SEN MLB podcast, who actually made his debut on air this week. Xavier, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. How are you? Not too bad, mate. No, it's playoffs time in the baseball. It's all very exciting. It's the pointy end of the season. There's one Australian who's going to be in playoffs action. That is Liam Hendricks from the Toronto Blue Jays. Let us know about uh, how he's going to be uh, poised come playoffs time. Now that the regular season's finished, I just want to start by running through a few of Hendricks' stats. So he finished with a 5-0 and record in 2015. He made 58 appearances all out of the bullpen. Career high in wins, which was also more wins this year than the rest of his career in total. And earn run average of 2.92, which was a career low. Six and a half strikeouts per walk allowed. He gave up an average of 1.01 hits per outing and gave up one run every three outings on average. So 0.36 runs an outing on average. That is outrageously good. And I guess... You might not expect him to uh, to continue on that form in the playoffs because it is a different kettle of fish. Who are they playing in the in the first round there? Uh, the Blue Jays that play in the American League Division Series against Texas, and that kicks off Friday morning our time. I honestly think he can continue this form. He's really found his spot in the bullpen. We talked about it briefly again on the SEN MLB podcast last weekend, but the fact he's moved from a starting role to a role where he knows exactly what his job's going to be, he comes in, he gets a couple of outs, pitches an inning, maybe an inning and a third, goes out again. He's got his job. He's comfortable doing that. And I think that if he keeps up this form going into next year, it's hard to see how he's not an all-star in 2016. You're putting that prediction on now that he's going to be an all-star? 
willing to say it. Liam Hendricks, <laughs> American legal star. I'm noting down the time right now, Xavier. Do you think that they'll be able to get past Texas? Because Texas were a team that kind of were a little lackluster for the first half of the season. Then all of a sudden they kind of came on towards the tail end and, and managed to kind of scrape in, in within the last couple of weeks. So you'd assume that Toronto will be the favourites in this series as well. So hopefully we get to see more of Hendricks after this. I would assume that he'd, that Toronto would be the favourites, but Texas have come steamrolling home and they were at one point, probably only six weeks ago now, 10 games back in the AL West and they came through and won that division. So the acquisition of uh, Cole Hamels from the Philadelphia Phillies really sparked their second half of the season. So it's a team of destiny almost in the Blue Jays who everything seems to have fallen right for the first time in a long time. Uh, David Price, Troy Tulowitzki... Uh, Hendricks as well, I think, is another one who's not getting the respect he deserves. And Except on the show team. and, and the uh, SDN MLB podcast, of course. Yeah, and you have a team who have all the momentum coming in, so I think this is probably going to be a really good series. Mate, thank you for uh, joining us once again, and we'll speak to you uh, next week, and we'll, of course, be able to hear the SDN MLB podcast on Saturdays, SDN.com.au. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Finishes up on Rounding the Bases this afternoon is Lockie Friends from CollegeMatildas.com. Mate, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Lovely to be here. We wanted to firstly talk about to the University of Wyoming and their five Australians, four of whom are starting this season. Can you let us know a little bit about them? Yes, um, there were five Aussies starting, all freshmen or sophomores. Unfortunately, uh, Candice Cabarrus, uh, midfielder, has gone down with an ACL, so she'll be out for the season. We've got Georgia Roundtree has been uh, the starting goalkeeper. She's a sophomore, uh, used to play for Western Sydney Wanderers. She's uh, only led in four goals in her eight appearances this year, which is great effort. And uh, we've also got uh, two freshmen, Jesse Gentle and Annika Clayton, both starting this season as well. Uh, Jesse's actually picked up an assist already this year, whilst Annika scored uh, what was the game winner in a game a couple of weeks ago for our own goal of the season. We've also got Alicia Bass, who's played uh, for the Young Matildas. Uh, she was an attacking midfielder last season, but has uh, converted into a central defender this year. But uh, she's also picked up a goal. She picked up a penalty in the game this weekend. I imagine this isn't a, a normal thing to have five uh, Australians or internationals on the one roster. Is there any particular reason? Is there a connection there with an assistant coach or something that's the, why we've got five Australians at the one university? Not really. It's just become um, a bit of a pipeline. Um, they had uh, Coach Danny Sanchez is now at Colorado. He started things picking up three or four, and he's um, gone up to Colorado and picked up two more Aussies there. But um, it's just more of a, a pipeline thing. New coach Pete Quadrado comes out to Australia a couple of times each season. And um, aside from these five, he's tried to recruit numerous other young Australians who have either chosen to stay in the W League or go elsewhere. So there's a couple of top 25 teams with Aussies making an impact off the bench as well in Washington State and Hofstra. Who are the players there that we have to look out for? Tia Gavin at Washington State. Uh, she uh, played for Western Sydney Wanderers in the W League last season. Uh, she got a, a couple of starts early on and uh, scored a goal, but as we've uh, led into conference play, it's the Pac-12, it's a, it's a much higher level. She's um, been moved into more of a supporting role. Had a cracker, a cracker of a shot that... Uh, Goal line technology may have said was a goal, but unfortunately it was waved off on the weekend. It would have been a, a great 25-yarder. And uh, at Hofstra, we've got uh, Melbourne's own Emily Holbert, uh, won a championship with Melbourne Victory a couple of years ago. She's uh, coming off the bench to play about half an hour each game, uh, uh, getting up and down the flank and just uh, providing a supporting role for the attack.
Is this where most of our uh, Aussie college talent is coming from in, in the W League? Is that the main pipeline to get to college at the moment? Uh, so we've got, uh, I think it's uh, 10 of the 25 Aussies at the moment have played in the W League. So it's about a, a 50-50 split. Most of the ones going to the higher level colleges have played in the W League, yeah. And uh, the next one, so you just got to quickly uh, sift through. Southeast Missouri State, we've got three Aussies, Murray State 2 and East Tennessee State. Can you fill us in on those girls? Uh, so, yeah, Southeast Missouri State have got three Aussies, uh, especially um, important this time of year is uh, Sienna Senatore. She's a freshman out of Canberra. She's uh, started nine games in a row, which is, and she's been a defensive rock for them, had some really good performances. Uh, whilst uh, Jenna Collingridge is a senior who's just coming back from injury and uh, got her first goal of the season on the weekend. For Murray State, uh, Harriet Withers has been the best Aussie out there this season. She's got six goals and two assists and has really just been a dominant force for Murray State. They actually played southeast Missouri on the weekend and Harriet uh, had two assists in that game. And for East Tennessee State, Isabel Hodgson, she's uh, from Adelaide. She was an attacking midfielder there and uh, she's now playing in defence. She's been playing 90 minutes just about every game. The only thing that stopped her is a, a possible rib injury after catching an elbow on the weekend. So... Um, great seasons for all those girls so far. Hey, Lockie, thanks for joining us on Rounding the Bases uh, this afternoon. We're able to get you on a whole bunch throughout uh, the rest of the season as well. So thanks for joining us. And as always, we can catch your work at collegematildas.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Chatting to Australians flying the flag in the US of A, this is the Flag Flyers. Joining us on the line now is one of our top guns in the women's college soccer ranks in Colorado's Alexandra Huynh. Uh, currently in her junior season, Alex is the first Aussie to represent the Buffs in soccer and doing a fine job at that. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. Now, you're one... We're actually... This is perfect timing for us because uh, just today we had uh, someone you'd probably know, mainly over Twitter, I imagine, in Lockie France, come on to do a little bit of a recap of uh, of the season yeah, for all the Aussie yeah. girls uh, from college, um, collegematildas.com. And uh, he was telling us all about uh, the, the range of Aussies we've got. We've got five at Wyoming and, and uh, girls in the top mm-hmm. 25 teams. We've also got two girls at Colorado and, and you and Carly Hogg. So we're going all right, aren't we? Yeah, we're not going too bad. Uh, we're actually, I'm actually playing a girl this weekend from Australia. She goes to Washington State, so it should be a good matchup. So I'm intrigued to hear about uh, your background. I was reading through your bio uh, a while back um, mm-hmm. and saw that you were part of the, the first sports selective school in Australia. Can you fill us in on, on where that was and, and how does that work? Yeah, no. So um, I went to high school in um, Fairfield in Western Sydney and the school was Westfield Sports High School. So a part of that was um, part of my curriculum was instead of doing like six classes, I only did four classes and two of those were soccer. And so so I placed two of the classes with soccer training. So when other, when the other kids were in class, um, we'd all be out in the field like training, just like working on our skills and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you've got. Yeah, a... it, was, it was really weird. Yeah. Oh no, I think it's cool. I, I'd imagine it's a it's a little bit yeah. like the equivalent of the IMG Academy down in Florida. Yeah, that's what I heard about that. I feel like it's pretty similar, yeah. And you've got a pretty stacked resume as a, as a junior, um, multiple state teams for New South Wales and also the um, Australian schoolgirls and, and uh, under-17, under-20 appearances for the Australian team. I'm, I'm intrigued to know where mm-hmm. the college sort of uh, system sits in the development pathway for, for someone that's obviously uh, was a very talented uh, junior or uh, representative age player growing up. Is this just the, the logical next step for, for development for, for women's soccer in, in our country or does the W League offer some competitiveness as well? Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. Like the W League is like what it's become right now is amazing. And I've played a few seasons, but personally for me, I just feel like the depth in Australia is crazy right now. And I just, for me, I knew I wasn't going to be in the senior team anytime soon. So I just wanted to go where I was going to be, where I was going to be competing in a competitive environment day in and day out. And I knew that college was the place to be for me personally. It's so different to what we have in Australia. Oh, that's really interesting. I, I was under the impression, um, and, and this was based off just the, I suppose, the premise that uh, with the um, American uh, women winning the World Cup, that their college system would be um, sort of like the, the top-tier development system. But are you saying that the, the W League in Australia is probably more competitive, is it? It's not more competitive. I just think that the experience in the W League, it's, just, it's so completely different, but the experience in the W League and what you get from that is a little bit different so how in did, a good way for sure yeah absolutely so how did you come about um uh getting on colorado's radar and was there a few other teams you were talking to during your during your high school career leading up to that or how did it all come about yeah yeah definitely so um as you mentioned before i did go to the sports school and a part of that was we went out to america to play in a couple of tournaments just like get scouted get some experience under our belts and a few coaches saw me there but um i knew Coach Denny from um, a few of the girls, he used to coach. So I got in contact with him. He got in contact with me. He came out to Australia a couple of times watching me play. And from there, it was pretty much like a solid deal. I was just committed. I was committed to Wyoming, actually. And then he transferred to Colorado. And then I moved with him. Oh. Here I am three years later. Yeah, very good. So was, yeah. there, was there anyone ever on the, on the radar as well that you're looking at? Or was it always, obviously, from Wyoming and then to Colorado? Um, I was actually going to look at William and Mary, which is like the second oldest school in America, but just because I was so completely different, like it's a tiny 5,000 people person school, whereas Colorado is like one of the biggest schools in the country. So it was definitely narrowed down to those two, but then when the coaches came out to Australia, I just pretty much made up my mind that it's where I wanted to be. Absolutely. And and, and, and um, yeah. I apologize for my cluelessness on, on, on women's soccer in the college ranks, but obviously I imagine no, being right, in, in the in the Pac-12 uh, I saw the other day, I was just looking at the rankings, that most of the Pac-12 teams are in roughly the top 40 programs in, in the nation. So it's obviously a, a pretty high stand to compete in. Yeah, definitely. The Pac-12 is one of the, I think it's like one of the most competitive in the country. And even just last year, then there's um, the postseason tournament, we sent nine teams out of 12, whereas other conferences send maybe one or two. So that just like shows how competitive it is every week. You have to like bring your A game or you're done. So it's like in that aspect, it's kind of it's so hard like to win every single game and like yeah, it's really it's a super competitive environment. And it's like we, so, yeah, <laughs> we, we've had we've had um, uh, girls from field hockey programs over in the US, and uh, we've spoken to athletes from uh, you know rowing programs and and basketball programs, and, and spoken mm-hmm. about. Uh, or, or, or talked about the differences between, I suppose, the Australian style in that sport and the American style in that sport. Mm-hmm. Was there any major, um, you know, uh, differences that you found when you rocked up on campus and started training and playing that you had to adjust to that is wildly different to how Australia goes about their, their soccer, whether it be tactics or training load and things like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, in America, I feel like everyone's an athlete, especially because there's so many, like, people that play soccer in America, just like the numbers are crazy. That to be the best, you have to be like an amazing athlete and then be an amazing soccer player. So the way they play here, it depends heavily on, on that, on that athleticism. Whereas in Australia, it's more like skill based and like passing the ball around. And just, I found that here, it's just like, 
a lot more um, direct, or at least our program is. And, um, yeah, it's just, like, we do so much more running here than we ever do, have ever done in Australia, like, ever did in my life. What was crazy. I'm definitely in the best shape of my life. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's quite a common thing that we've heard uh, across all the different sports is that, uh, yeah, there's a, um, how would you say it, a lot more natural athletes or just athletic sort of uh, mm-hmm. uh, specimens in, in American athletes than it is in, in Australia. Sure. But um, what, what's it like being part of the college system uh, in the last, I suppose, let's call it just six months when the uh, American uh, women won the World Cup and, and obviously already there's obviously a huge participation base in the junior ranks for um, mm-hmm. for, for soccer in, in the USA. Is it just this massive swell of um, focus or, um, you know, do you, do you get decent crowds and is it just like this really uh, frenetic sort of atmosphere that you get at games now because it is such a, a wildly popular sport? Yeah, for sure. Like, you can definitely tell the awareness about women's soccer has definitely increased. Um, and we have, we have pretty solid numbers. We get like a 1,000 people around every game but um we a few weeks ago we played at BYU and there was a solid six thousand people there. Whoa. I've never played in a crowd like that before. It was insane. You couldn't hear yourself, like you couldn't even hear like the person next to you on the field. It was crazy. And I think that's just like a that just shows how crazy it's gotten in America, especially because they just won. And the way they won it, just yeah. And I'd imagine that, that would be a, um, yeah. I'd imagine that'd be a massive lure for uh, a lot of Aussie kids that are obviously operating at a high enough level to to go Division One to to maybe go well, you know, back here in Australia, yeah, you know, there, there is a strong culture here uh, in, in some regards, but you know, the lure of actually being in in a massive system like the NCAA that has the the, the money and resources and you know potentially free education and and these crowds, it, it's almost mm-hmm. something that's too good to turn down, I imagine. Yeah, well, that's like the, I think that's such. Uh when I was younger, I, did, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And even, like, when I came in here, I still didn't understand how big of a, a thing it was to be a D1 athlete at college. So I think it's only, like, my sophomore year, that's when it actually hit, like, how great of an opportunity it is. And I feel like a lot of kids back home don't understand that. Yeah, but, I, I'm, I'm curious. You know what I mean? Like... I'm curious to know your thoughts on like I had no idea coming in. I had no expectations at all. Yeah, we, we've we've spoken to athletes before, or at least I know from my background, talking to um, kids from other sports in in the junior ranks here that could easily go Division One in their respective sports in, in mm. college. What's sure. the sort of level based off you know your own knowledge, seeming you've done it and completed that that step to say how many kids back here in the Australia Australian junior system could actually go Division One for women's soccer? What what's the sort of talent level there? Oh, it's crazy. Well, just, like, the opportunity they have here, there's, like, at least 300-something schools in, like, for female soccer players to attend. So I feel like there's be, there would definitely be, like, a large amount of girls that could easily, like, play for one of these schools. I think it's just, like, the next step, though, is just for playing for any D1 school then to, like, the next step would be, like, playing for, like, I don't know, the North Carolinas and the UCLAs and stuff like that because they're, like, next level. Like, it's crazy. But I feel like there's definitely... Um, room for girls to, like, come over and just experience this journey for sure. Because I, I just feel like there's so much potential and not enough girls are, like, taking, yeah, it, taking it, like, charge of it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's an awareness thing, and I suppose uh, that's why it's good to sure. to get people like yourself on to chat about and hopefully get a little bit of publicity out of it is that to, to show kids back in Australia that, uh, 
you know, it is attainable uh, and that, uh, you know, look at the opportunity you can get playing in front of 6,000 people. Mm. I mean, there's there's AFL junior games that don't even get anywhere close to that. There's AFL games. I remember there was an AFL game, um, GWS and someone in Melbourne a few months ago. <laughs> Obviously, being a New South Wales girl, you probably don't care much for AFL anyway. But there was, even, there was maybe 8,000 people at the entire game. So it's crazy to see. Oh, it's rough. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, it was it was it was an anomaly, but it still happened, and it's just it's just crazy to see that at an amateur level, even though I use that term very loosely in the US because you do get a hell of a lot of resources in highly skilled. That um, mm-hmm, yeah, the, the sure. opportunities are pretty pretty insane, and that uh, it'd be good to maybe pump more of our Aussie girls into the system, which I would imagine would would probably assist our senior ranks down the track. Do you reckon? Oh, 100%. Like I feel like a reason why America is so successful is because they have the college system and the way they do it here is just so professional so from a young age it's just like they know what's up they know what they have to do to be the best and I feel like that's definitely been reflected in the World Cup that just passed. So what's it been like for you studying uh, obviously you're majoring in business I think it is and, and, and all that sort of stuff what's um what, how's that balance gone with uh, you know athletics and study and and what are you looking to do with uh, with your degree do you have any idea where that you want that to take you? Um, yeah, I actually changed my degree. I'm a psych major now. And um, that's definitely the hardest thing is just trying to figure out training and like schoolwork and tutors and homework and everything and just trying to fit it all in. But um, it's just like at the end of the day, you've got to get it all done, you know what I mean? So it's just like personally, you, you just have to figure it out. And that's the hardest thing. But um, yeah, I have no idea what I want to do with my I think that's a, a pretty common like, sentiment among uh, a lot of people in yeah. college. But uh, what's the next step for you then? Yeah. Obviously, you're in your junior season. You've still got this season and next season mm-hmm. to go. You know, what's the what's the pathway into the Matildas uh, in the future or the, yeah. ne- the next step for you? Is that something that you're aiming for? Is that something that's realistic? And, and how, how um, are you looking to go about that? For sure, yeah. Like, well, right now I'm just focusing on finishing this season and trying to get into the tournament and get as far as we can. But um, the long run, Definitely, like, France, that's that's the goal. Like, 2019, that'd be amazing to be in the World Cup there. But um, I definitely want to go to Europe and get some experience and just play a bit for there. Because, like, we've had girls, like, last year that went over and just enjoyed it and had the best time in their lives. So I definitely want to go down that, um, yeah, road. Well, just experience that, yeah. Yeah, well, it's been awesome talking to you, Alex, and really appreciate uh, you giving up some time. It's been a great insight. And, yeah, no and ho- worries, mate. And hopefully we can get uh, more Aussie girls in, in the Pac-12. It's the best conference uh, across all sports in my eyes. Um, and, uh, you know, look forward to seeing how how the buffs go for the rest of uh, rest of the season. So thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, that's great. Thanks for having me, mate. You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world, and now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today.